0: Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected with your host, Bernadette Butler. In this program, you'll learn how Bernadette and her guests were able to turn what seemed to be a negative into a positive lesson that they can teach others and give hope. Now, here is Bernadette Butler.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected. I'm your host, Bernadette Butler. I'm going to read you a a poem that I wrote and then it'll lead into other stories about my son and autism. We're gonna be, I'm going to share living with autism, God, me, and Melvin. He knows. He thought of me before he planted me in my mother's womb. He knew who I was and what is to become of me. While I was protected in the womb, He was filling me with his love. He was equipping me for the circumstances that would be. The missteps in my heart at times would stray away. He knew of every fear and counted every tear that fell. And all the challenges that was going to be ahead of me, his patience and his love is within me. So he can walk with me through the darkness and despair into the light of hope that shines so brightly everywhere. He knew I would question the steps. With him, I took along the way, yet the spirit within me bids me not to stray. At times, he reached for me and grabbed my heart in his hand. To massage his words within my soul, he whispered to me, I have a plan. My heart clings to his every word as I continue on. The ground is hard, filled with rocks and many pitfalls. Yet, his word and love carries me through, and my thoughts begin to change. I can feel the transformation within. My sight begins to clear, the fears chip away. I can see the beauty of life with him all around me everywhere. If you ever wonder if he is listening and if he cares, if you ever wonder if he is truly there, just stop, sit and pray. Remain silent for a while. You will begin to hear his love for you declaring, yes, I'm near. The spirit within began, I began to hear him sing, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I wrote many poems uh, right after that then I wrote Living with Autism, God, Me and Melvin. And it's kind of, I touched a little bit on here and there but it's ironic how sometimes the the things in your life that you see difficult actually is a part of a plan to start developing something within you that I believe that God puts in each of us a talent with his plan. And and so uh, from what I used to do and then really hope that maybe I can write, And then life happened and Melvin and the autism. Being with Melvin, going through his journey with that disorder, have really brought a deeper understanding of what love is. And then not only that, it helped me to forgive the past. And as in scripture, it's, it says in one of the parables, Jesus asked, uh, when you put your hand on the on a plow and you try to look back, see, that doesn't work. But in plowing, you move forward. And I had to learn how to move forward. And he helped me through that by having a victory. In my son through his disorder. And so the story and the poems that I will share with you tonight is my deep feelings of some of the stories. And then I'll read uh, some of the poems from my book, Words of Praise, Joy, and Love, which came first. And then Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin. I was a child that was set aside, no word of encouragement, and not my dreams to fulfill. I was stagnant until Melvin came into my life. I was 19, graduated from a business college, had a full-time job, and I was pregnant. I was not going to have an abortion, Somehow, I must find a way to have my baby and keep him. I was insecure and fearful. I was afraid of my mother and what she would do. My mother is a strong-willed and overbearing person. She would impose her will upon you, right or wrong. And if you did not do as she said, she would tell you that nothing good would happen for you. God will punish you. To say I was afraid of her would put it mildly. I needed a doctor to confirm my pregnancy. The boyfriend took me to Planned Parenthood. I was examined. I had a pap test. I never had one before. My relationship with my mother was tainted. By her pain And I, and the Lord taught me that As I was going through this journey Of writing my, my hurts and pains Into a sorrow That he was giving me understanding And I wrote this poem called Complicated Her love is complicated It twists and turns into a knot You can't unravel Her love is complicated, tied into a bittersweet song. If you linger and go too deep inside, you will find the unhappiness awaiting to attack, for her love is complicated. The joy is hidden behind her eyes when no one can see. She let the darkness overtake her heart. If you touch her like a red rose beautiful, But the thorns from her journey in life will prick you. She will have no sympathy for your pain. There will be no explanation. No cover of sweet melodies for your hurt. Your wound will lay open for all to see. She did not ask you to love her. Her love is complicated. And so as I started telling the story of my son my anger and my hurt towards my mother started to dissipate I was nervous when I was called into the exam room the standard procedure was to take off your clothes put on a gown she came into the room she asked me questions then she began the exam At the end of the exam, she balled her fist and rammed it up inside of me. My body shook like jello. She started. She needed to see how many, she stated she needed to see how many centimeters I was. I now believe that this was not the concern. I was about six weeks. I believe she attempted to interrupt the pregnancy. One thing for sure, I was not going back to that place. I was married three months before delivery. These ideas always surface when you have firstborn. What? What would happen when that when that is not the case? You think of a white picket fence, two children, perfect in every way. You envision your children growing up, going to college, getting a well-paid job, marrying, having at least two children. But what happens when that is not the case? What do you do? What happens when your spouse points the finger and say, it must have been something that you've done. That was difficult for me at the time because, you know, I had many reactions to what was going on uh, coming my way, trying to understand the diagnosis, trying to understand what was going on. So in the beginning, I couldn't tell anything. Melvin was not a fussy baby. He laughed and cooed. He was easy to take care of. I never thought at the time anything was out of the ordinary. He was not a picky eater. If anything, uh, I've never seen a baby eat up a whole jar of Gerber's uh that dry meat. He would eat the whole, <laughs> he ate the whole jar plus all the peas and carrots. He didn't refuse anything. He was a eater. I was trapped in fear and I was afraid of my shadows. So anywhere that I went, if I heard a noise, I would jump up and down. And that's only because of the trauma, and what was going on when I grew up. So from that, I wrote a poem called Unnoticed. An autumn leaf falling in the summer breeze, orange and brown with a hint of red, secretly cascading, falling from the tree. The autumn leaf entangled in the summer heat, drowning in front of everyone. The birds singing in the trees sweet melodies of summer breeze did not notice. She fell to the ground, orange brown, with a splash of red on the leaf. The beautiful hue going unnoticed on a warm summer's day. The heat cracking the skin of the leaf, attempting to dry the little bit of life left in her. She thirsts for recognition. And she hungers for love. The autumn leaf fell to the ground on a hot summer's day. So you're, you're married, you got a child, but you got all this baggage tagging on to you. The park was directly across from the apartment building where we lived, I was afraid to go across the street. I could not walk a block from the apartment. Melvin's world needed to expand beyond me and the apartment building. This was not about me. This was about Melvin. I must step out of this fear. The preschool building was built like a little castle. It was a program provided by the park system. I was so excited for Melvin, and I thought all the troubles would go away. Melvin would be normal. He would speak. After three or four weeks, the preschool teacher told me that he did not interact with the children. He played by himself. She told me something was wrong. And I should have him checked for a disability. I could not believe what I was hearing. I cried. And that is when I first heard the word autism. I did not know anything about this word and what it meant. I went to the local library and asked for books on autism. I recall the clerk asking me why I told her. She said, how old are you? My guess was she thought because of my age and my first child, how, how could he be autistic? But it's a complicated disorder. And I had a guest on before, Maddie, and she's a nurse. And how she stated, it's not like a disease how you can give something like a pill to heal or cure the disease. Uh, you're actually trying to help with a behavior, a disorder that somehow is causing this uh, delay of speech and these other different types of of behavior. So, as the time went on, uh, the school district, as I shared before, I'm not going to share the same stories because some of you have heard them before, how, you know, the elementary school and then they didn't want Melvin there and then they start documenting them and I was documenting them. And then finally... Uh, the school psychologist agreed with me in the public school system paid uh, for Melvin to go to a private school setting that was uh, very compatible to what he really needed and, and Melvin flourished there but eventually our family grew and uh, I've By then, started having more children, and I had two more. He has two sisters, and we were staying in an apartment, and we needed more room, so we moved. And we moved uh, uh, not within L.A. We purchased a home, but it was not in Los Angeles area. The home was 65 miles outside of L.A., I was not familiar with their school system, but my assumption was that the school district would work with me. And you know the old adage, never assume uh, anything. And I actually had an extremely uh, hard time getting this school district uh, to work with me. And so I had made friends and uh, one of my friends that uh, uh, told me, well, you need to go to a school board meeting. So I started attending the school board meetings. I wouldn't talk at first. I was just seeing how, how does this work? How can you bring a concern about what is going on in the classroom. Now, this is between the late 1970s and 80s. There really wasn't anything in the public school system to support parents who had children with autism. They would, well, I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for me. They, would tell, they told me that the only way to receive services was to say that he was mentally ill to receive the services to get the help and have an IEP. And then the IEP, which is an individualized educational program, s- supposed to work together as a team with the parents parents and develop a program that would best fit the need of your child. Well, I didn't want to do that either. But they kept saying that was the only way. In the meantime, I was looking for a pediatrician. Now there was no HIPAA laws at that time. So I was sharing with him what was going on and he said, oh yeah, I I've had a few run-ins with that school district, so uh, he he said that's what they're telling you to get the services. He said that may be the way that the only way you're going to get any kind of help for right now for your son. So I agreed because I thought that was the only way. So he went into this classroom that had more than four different types of disability. And I do not know, and I told the teacher, how are you, one person and one aide, to service the children? that have a disabilities and they each are different. Melvin has autism. Some of them were, some of the children had a physical disability. Some had a mental disability. All, some had a, a severe uh, autism where they, they were banging their heads. And I just watched her. I would volunteer and go in the room and watch her. There wasn't much she could do. She she needed more assistance other than the one aid in the classroom. And how to help the other, uh, each child, and what each child required with an IEP, uh, she really couldn't do that. So that's when I began to write letters. So one day, and I I really haven't told this story to um, many people, Uh, only my friends that were around me at the time knew that I did this. I wrote people to whom wasn't even in the party in which I voted in because I had to tell myself You know, as long as you're a taxpayer, and once they're elected, they're to represent all the people, not just the people. We are a united people, united states. So that's how I approach writing my letters. Oh, it's time for break time, and then I'll pick up from there. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, BeButlerTheAuthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at BeButlerTheAuthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder, autism, and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey, from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at Amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com.
1: you're listening to black friday every friday here on the voice america empowerment channel grow evolve change
0: you are listening to embrace the unexpected with bernadette butler If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or, to reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected.
1: I'm back. So, this is what... I don't share much because one thing about being in my journey and with my son, the Lord did some amazing things in opening up doors and for people for me to meet that I I wouldn't have never thought of or or even thought to approach. So after I sent start sending off this these letters. I recalled, um, I I was watching, I used to watch 60 Minutes every uh, Sunday. And uh, the First Lady, Mrs. Bush, was on, and she was talking about uh, uh, learning disabilities. And she was sharing about one of her family members, whatever, that's what I recall. So I got this idea. I said I'm going to write her a letter and tell her what's going on here in this town having all these children up in one classroom meshed together and the teacher is in it, it the, the teacher needs help and the uh, school board and the superintendent was not Responding to the call for help to not just that special ed teacher, but the other special ed teachers. Because what I came to learn from that small growing school district, they were, if they needed to do a budget cut, special ed was the first place they cut. So I I tried to get some of the parents to come to the board meeting, rally, but, you know, they didn't want to uh, cause any problems because they didn't want to have any problems with staff. And and that's understandable because you do risk. And I will share that, that. That's a big risk. So at the end of this uh, two-page letter... <laughs> that I sent to Washington, D.C., to the White House. I prayed and said, you know, I sent this letter, Lord, so I doubt if anybody will read it. At the end of this letter, I wrote, the question was asked when God asked uh, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? And that's what I said at the end of the letter. I said, why must we still ask that question? Am I my brother's keeper? Because the answer is yes. We're to help and encourage each other. Well, a couple weeks, uh, some time went by. That's, you know, that's because... You know, I have to go through security and stuff, I understand now. So the letter rang, just went in and out to wherever it needed to go. And her secretary, whoever that was, that one of her people got the letter, apparently read it to her because they wrote me back. And said, this letter have been sent to the Office of Civil Rights Division Educational Department in Washington, D.C. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. These people don't like me now. They're going to clunk me outside the head. <laughs> that letter from Washington went to uh the division in the state of california in northern california to the office of civil rights division in san francisco. I'm not gonna say the intaker's name because I'll never forget her. I got a phone call from her and she and she says to me, you know, we received it from Washington Branch. It's it was given to us I'm in charge over it. I've already talked to your superintendent, inquiring what in the world is going on down there. So you knew I just stepped on a, a landmine. If that didn't rattle the people at the top, it made a big boom. And so I told uh, my son's Melvin's uh, pediatrician. And he proceeded to laugh. he said, "I know the parents who have struggled with that school district uh their their children are my patients because he was a doctor that specialized in he he took in all the children that had disabilities i i I just loved him unfortunately uh you know when Melvin got older a teenager, he couldn't go to him anymore but Unknown to me, when I started on this journey, this doctor was handing out my phone number and saying, this is what she's done, and this is what she's doing in her IEPs. You need to start fighting for your child like that. And so I started getting these phone calls. You know, I've told part of that story before. This is why I was getting the phone calls. Now, the school district was hot as I don't know what with me. And then remember, I once shared why they took Melvin out of the school district, sent him to another county in a whole nother district into this trailer with uh, children that had on ankle bracelets. I went I I took my son out of there and told them they have to put me before a firing squad. So that's why that part of the story happened, because of what had happened. Me writing a, a letter uh, uh, to Washington, D.C. and the first lady actually reading it and having, and, and forwarded it off. And you know, uh, when she passed away, I was a little bit emotional. She will never know who I am. She doesn't know my son but she did not have any kind of idea what she did not just for my son but for the other children in that school district and and, and see how God in this story into interwi- why it it introducing me to people I'm um, Weaving in and out of all these different places and people that I'm meeting that I would never had an opportunity to even meet, talk to, or someone actually receiving a letter from an ordinary person and, and reading it. And I said, after she passed, she didn't know it now. She with the Lord, she knows it now. So in that they added two more aides to that teacher in that classroom. And that's when my journey unexpectedly with all these phone calls and parents calling and asking me, would you come? Would you come with me uh, to my IEP meeting? And I said, sure, not knowing what would happen. Attending many IEP meetings, I observed that parents who are nervous accepted whatever the teacher and the school psychologist decided for their child. Some parents would leave meetings frustrated because they did not want the teacher to get upset if they did not go along with the suggested program. I would explain to the parents that the IEP meetings were a joint effort And that it is always good to include their ideals. They knew their child, uh, uh, they knew more about their child than anyone else. It could be the case that the child is willing to do more at home. The challenge is to carry that trust and willingness to a school setting. That is why the parents' input is extremely important. I was not well-received at the IEP by some of the teachers and principals. As my name was passed along in the community by parents of disabled children, my regular job became going to IEP meetings. I brought a briefcase, and I kept papers, and it was just, (laughs) that was the strangest thing. (laughs) <laughs> and the, the people was really getting They was trying to think of all kinds of ways To stop me Now, the, the state board knew And they were aware that I was doing that And they said if I am asked, I could go So, that's what I did I didn't charge any money I didn't ask for a dime And they couldn't get me on that because I didn't have any license anyway. I was doing it as an encourager and coming alongside because of the many people that were helping me through the journey with Melvin to find help. And whatever information I had, I would share with others. And that's what parents, whether you have children with disability or not, see, we have to learn to be a community again. We have to share the information and help one another along. Uh, So there was this uh, principal. Uh, He didn't want me on the school grounds. I volunteered at all my children's, uh, in my children's classroom. And my baby girl at the time was in the first grade by then. My other daughter was in middle school, and by now, Melvin is in high school. And uh, one day I volunteered, and in California and living on the outskirts in the uh, desert area, um, it gets really hot. So the temperature was over 105 degrees. The kids out there playing, some of them running around, turning red, and, and that was too much. And so uh, I went to a school board meeting and asked them, did they have a policy uh, for inclement weather? Well, they didn't. So I suggested maybe they should because when it's hot and the water fountain wasn't working, it was broke. The children need water to keep from getting dehydrated if you're going to have them outside. Well, that's when the principal started a complaining I was buttoning his business, and the this district uh, started to do something uh, that would hinder me. And this is uh, still and now it's in chapter seven. I attended a school board meeting and asked the board to change the policy to allow the students to stay indoors, or at least give the option of remaining in the cafeteria. The water fountain needed to work if the children chose to go outside. The principal at the site stated that I was always making trouble. The solution was to prevent me from coming on the campus, which also included picking up my child after school on a corner, which they extended to both of my children, and not allowing me to come or set foot on school grounds. The board also used this, role, this rule to prevent me from assisting parents in an IEP meeting. The battle lines were drawn. I reported this in writing to the State Board of Education and to the Office of Civil Rights, the Justice Department now division. Other people in the community directed me to a parent organization out of the Los Angeles area. Now I did it. I was in for a ride, and so was the district office. I recall Betty Davis lying in a movie, All About Eve. Hold on to your seat. It's going to be a bumpy ride. This was an understated understatement. So my friends and I, uh, we immediately went into prayer. Now, I couldn't step foot on the school ground. I could not volunteer anymore. The middle school and the high school, both of those principals said, we're not doing that to you. We very value and cherish your volunteerism. You can continue to be. On the school site council and, uh, and our PTA, please don't stop volunteering. And they said that they had talked to that principal on that school site, but he wouldn't budge. He didn't want me there. So I had a friend, uh, her daughter and mine were in the same classroom and she told me I would pick her up. I said, okay, and I'll stand on the, on the corner by my car and, and just bring her to me. And so that's what we did every day until uh, I said, something got to be done about this. So I was praying and I can't believe I did this. I said, okay, Joshua, (laughs) did you, you really did that and the Lord did that for you? Surely, surely he'll do it for me. So after my friend would take my daughter, drop her off at school. I drove up to that, near that school, parked my car, got out, said a prayer. I said, you told Joshua to walk around those walls of Jericho seven times. I said, this is my wall and my Jericho. I'm walking around. And I walked Around that school Each day Day one And when I was done I'd say a prayer Day two, same thing Say a prayer and I would leave Day three, same thing I said a prayer On day three As I was uh, Ending my walk To go to the car and say my prayers The principal came out and he said, You stop that. You stop that right now. I said, Ah, somebody knows scripture. And I kept walking. And so I did this for seven days on the sidewalk all around the school. On the seventh day, a man approached me and he said, What are you doing? And I say, I'm walking around the school. Why are you walking around the school? All you have to do is just walk halfway. Why don't you stop that walking? And I said to myself, I don't know who you are, <laughs> where you came from, because I didn't see him approach. I didn't see him fall off and walk up to me because I'm I'm paying attention to going around because remember, they told me not to come on school grounds. They would call the police on me because they did one time when I thought I could be uh, near and I was told no. So I was looking for the police to come get me. So I was always on my guard for that. So I, when I said no and finished my walk, that person was gone. I said my prayers. I told the Lord, I don't have a trumpet. I don't have none of that. But what I have is a thank you. And I uh, went home at that same time around that time people had asked me to run for a school board. I didn't have no money. Nobody was support me. The teachers union wouldn't support me. Uh, the, the people, the companies, the businesses around, the landowners that building all these uh, elaborate homes, they weren't going to support me. And my friend said, but we got God. And we uh, Xerox copied some flyers, and she said, we got a prayer, we're going to knock on doors, and that's what we're going to do. So with $50, that's what I did. And the newspaper came out and interviewed me and said, you know, you don't have a chance to win. And I said, I know, but it gets somebody's attention. On the day of election, I mean, I wasn't expecting to, to win anything. So I, <laughs> I went to bed. I didn't even say, Lord, help me win. I just went to bed. I said, well, I made my statement. Uh, They know I'm not going away. At 3 o'clock in the morning, that newspaper called my house. And I'm like, who is calling at 3 in the morning? I thought that something had happened to one of my relatives. Because, you know, when you get them late night calls, it's usually of no good. So I answered the phone. Uh, uh, he said his name and I'm like, well, why are you calling? He said, do y- 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 you won? Don't you know that? I said, "Won what? I'm half asleep. <laughs> he said, you won. you got to seat on the school board. I said, what? You got to be kidding me. My friends start ringing the phone. And that morning, I was so tired when I dropped my kids. Um, I took um, uh, the, uh, Melvin and his sister to school. And then I had my friend take, uh, drop my baby off. And then I went home. Then my friend, one of my friends said, right, why are you in the house? Let's go. I said, where are we going? She said, that very school. That told you, you couldn't set your foot on. She said, let them tell you that now. (laughs) So we went down to that school and I walked all over that school ground. Now, you know that that principal was hot as a firecracker (laughs) because he thought he had defeated me. But he really didn't. Because it's not me who he was fighting. All of that was a part of God's will because he was writing this amazing, odd story in my life about my relationship with him and how he was transforming me through my son who had autism. So sometimes, you know, that hard stuff and it looks bad and he will have autism until the Lord calls him home. But from the hardness is always a, set, a, a, a victory. You, he don't leave you without a victory because in him you are victorious. So you see, if I was to tell all these people, I, I, and now I'm telling a lot of people, if people are listening, <laughs> people don't leave, believe my life. I've had a hard life a wonderful life all at the same time, bittersweet, uh, hot, cold, up, down. And I imagine that's the way all of our our lives are. I didn't even get into the extra. You thought that was good stuff. I had other stuff in between, how they called me in the office and uh, escorted me off, had the security to come get me. And then... I turned around and said, this is not Alabama, 1950. They didn't know what to do with me. But in all that, the Lord made me victorious. So from this um, poem, I, I want to read you this poem. It's called The Promise. Uh, the Lord promised to love us through all circumstances. The promise. As I sat deep in thought about the life I led, the curves and ups and downs, highs and lows and all the reason why. Sometimes an aimless wonder, no hope, no expectation for the day. Then a stillness overcomes me. My thoughts begin to calm. Why do you wonder if or why? Recall what I promised you instead. His hands held my heart, his words like art. I walked the road where the He leads me, but when the days of drought came and fear rose within, I recall his words, rely on me, alone he promised I'll never be. When danger came and surrounded me, when the battle from life began, in him I am assured for he is my rock and my fortress, in him I can depend. He promised to love when the burden of life is heavy. He took it and gave to me his peace. When I was in need, he provided. I recall the Lord is my shepherd and him I shall not want. He promised to love like a rushing river engulfing my heart and quenching a thirsty soul. When I went my own way. He turned it around for the good. Your your water sprung a new life and a new beginning. Can't you see? So when you think you are alone, when you are misunderstood, remember, I protect, I save, I am your strength. I am your peace. I am the good shepherd. I am faithful and just. I am gracious because I promise to love. So no matter what these people said about me, no matter all the things they attempted to do to me, they didn't really succeed. So see, they thought they did, but really they didn't. There was all kinds of situations that happened in that. But also, there was all kinds of people that encouraged me and loved me through that. Loved me, my son Melvin, my children. But at the end, there was a cost because I did have to move my youngest daughter from that school district for her safety. Because some of those teachers... And one of them was her teacher when she got to high school, was attacking her and leaving the newspaper on the desk so she could see the bad press and all that. And her grades started fluctuating up and down. So I did for her safety. And so I sent her to another state. And, you know, I told her, I'm sorry. You know, I, I I was looking out for her. I meant her no harm. But while she was in another state, eventually she met my loving uh, son-in-law, and they have three now, three beautiful children. They met at college at Alabama A&M, and she finished at Southern Alabama. So my friend, which I call my sister, was... They was in this beauty shop. She heard one of these teachers talking. She knows her. Now, this is 20 years later. Imagine this. And she's still talking about what I did. And she was mad. And I had to think about it and I laughed. Did I make that kind of impact? Man, did God put a footprint on them if they're still talking about me. So parents, don't give up. No matter, it looks bleak, but there is hope and sunshine in Jesus Christ. He will see you through. I want to really thank you guys for uh, indulging me uh, so I could share some more of my story and tell you my uh, book and poetry book, Words of Praise, Joy, and Love, and my uh, the newly released one, Living with Autism. I hope you enjoyed my stories. I really got other stories that are amazing that were, you'll say, how many unexpected stories do you have? God wrote a whole book in me. As you can see, I can talk. Until the next time, thank you for listening in Embrace the Unexpected. Thank you
0: for tuning in to Embrace the Unexpected. Be sure to join your host, Bernadette Butler, for another episode next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great weekend.